Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we've got a twofer. A double feature. Yes, a double feature of Child's Play 1988 and Child's Play 2019, which we watched in the reverse order. (laughs) So I've seen Child's Play 1, 2, and 3. I watched them on a sleepover in junior high, which was super fun and creepy. Yeah. But I haven't seen any of the the, uh, the more contemporary Chucky films. And then this one came out. The 2019 came out and it has Aubrey Plaza in it. I'm like, I'm here for it. It's got Mark Hamill as the voice. I'm like, I, I want to do this. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, let's watch it. We didn't even know if we were going to talk about it. And then you were like, oh, I should see the, the original. Uh, let's start off the bat with this. I don't want to say that I like loved these movies, mm-hmm. but they really did go for it. They didn't shy away from it. They really didn't. And I, neither of these movies did. Neither did. They were definitely made in different times, and that's fine. But they, uh, they really went for what they were going to do. So that's fun. But they're very different in, in some interesting ways. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about these. So let's start with 1988's original Child's Play. A single mother gives her son a much-sought-after doll for his birthday, only to discover that it is possessed by the soul of a serial killer. Yeah. (laughs) Possessed. A possessed doll. For a film that has always been billed to me or advertised to me as one of the low-budget slasher classics, Mm -hmm. this movie does not have a low-budget. It and it doesn't feel like a low budget at all. It's really well made. Okay, just the doll alone makes it not a low budget film. They took their time crafting this film. True. I don't know how much, I mean, we'll get into it with the numbers because it's not a low budget film, mm-hmm. but it's also not like a blockbuster movie either. No. They just didn't have the resources of a Die Hard, which mm-hmm. came out around the same time. But they they definitely had a long lead time in developing this, okay. and it shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, again, you look at that and you go, I, I like this, but there's a lot of bad filmmaking <laughs> because of the constraints. Sure. Like, they needed more money, and yeah. This movie, on the other hand, does not need that at all. No. Really, this movie's only problem is in its age and how it it leans in really hard to some of the tropes it wants to play with, Mm -hmm. which get to the point of becoming unbelievable. I mean, true. Like the second that we put the kid in a mental institution with a bunch of other kids in like this decrepit building off the side of nowhere, which I know exists. Don't get me wrong, but it escalates so quickly to that point mm-hmm. that it's just like really yeah that felt pretty unbelievable there were just some things that were just like oh okay in in the rush to tell this story it feels like they forced some things as yeah. opposed to like naturally letting us get there so the thing with with andy going i mean clearly they don't think mom's safe so they take him away which okay i don't love that but i don't love that he's not he doesn't appear to be in a mental institution, but he's in a, some sort of facility, which, okay, why wasn't he in, put into, like, a foster home? Like, that's that would have made more sense. 
But like, I also understand like when you wanted to put him in a controlled environment, like they wanted to put him in a prison system so that Chucky's breaking into that. That felt very heavy handed for the story. And it's not like this movie is super heavy on story. No. <laughs> Which it doesn't need to be. It's about a horrible, demonically possessed doll. Yeah, and I didn't love the voodoo. Oh, the voodoo's terrible. The it's terrible. It's pretty racist. It's it's very racist. It feels very appropriative and like that's it's just it's not good. And... If, at this point, I feel pretty firm in saying if you're a white filmmaker making a movie about voodoo, don't. Like you shouldn't be. So no. I did appreciate that when the person who taught the guy the voodoo or was teaching him about the practice and he realized what he did is like, oh, no, this is horrible. You've completely taken this, disrespected what this is. So like there it was almost like they were trying to be like, this is bad, but no, this is not good. Well, I think they did the research. I mean, one thing I ran across, I didn't put the whole translation in the notes, but there is a full translation of the chant that Charles Lee Ray goes through. Okay. And that chant is in Haitian Creole and okay. is an invocation. I don't okay. know if it's like tied to actual stuff, but it is in that specific language. So it's not like they didn't do their research on the subject, which is what softened it a little bit, but it really just is like, let some black filmmakers make a horror movie about this on their own and that that understand and are steeped in the culture. This is just an element that you shouldn't be touching. It's just not necessary. When you could have just as easily gone for some type of like weird magic cult thing. Yeah, weird magic is cool. Ugh. I also like just don't love how young Andy is because feels... <laughs> well it feels but also at, at a certain point it feels exploitative it does feel exploitative um and i mean again it was the 80s so it was definitely a different time and you just you just feel so bad there's a there's a part of it where you just feel so bad for him and you feel bad for his mom because she's just doing the best she can like you just like you just like there's a part that you just feel bad and so that's the other part that feels exploitive because you feel like i feel like i'm exploiting the mom too it is not without its problems, but uh, this was a surprisingly good movie. I mean, okay, so those like weird things aside, the story is compelling. And the thing that really sucks about this movie is it's this kid is telling the, the adults something and the adults don't believe them. That's what hurts so bad, especially nowadays. Nowadays, with all of the horrible things... <laughs> that we know and we see, particularly with the internet, that's what hurts so hard. hard. And and there, I'm not gonna lie, that's definitely the parent side of me is just being like, if your kid tells you something, especially something crazy bad, you need to believe them. You you need to investigate what they're saying, even if it sounds crazy. You need to investigate why they're saying that. It's dated. It's dated. It's very dated and. That's okay. That yeah. It was capitalizing on a zeitgeist, mm -hmm. but that stuff really puts it in a time and place. Yeah, and so it's just it, it makes it really awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but once mom figures it out, she is not gonna let anyone stop her. No. <laughs> so like, good job, mom from Seventh Heaven. <laughs> well, the budget for this movie was nine million dollars. Yeah, okay. That is a significantly larger amount of money than we're used to for some of these movies. Yep. 
Uh, it opened to $6.6 million. It grossed $33 million in the U.S. and about $44 million worldwide. Okay. Was it a giant runaway success, but for a horror movie, pretty good. It's not bad. The films have been widely accused of inspiring violence in children. Yeah, I see that. A crowd formed around the entrance to MGM near the premiere calling for a ban. Local news broadcast live from the scene. David Kirshner, the main producer, was mortified. So Jeffrey Hilton, an associate at MGM, had to go speak to the leader of the group and got them to disperse. And Hilton, to this day, will not say whether threats or diplomacy saved the the negative publicity. Hmm. But this got tons of commentary. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, Yeah, that makes total sense. And, you know, as we talked about, I don't think it glorifies violence in any way. No. It does the opposite in that it it portrays some really difficult to swallow struggle for a kid to get believed. Yeah, no, no, I, I think this is very much a... If anything from this horror film, it's like you need to believe your children. A little bit. You you need again, you need to investigate. If they tell you something crazy, you need to investigate why they're telling you that. Exactly. Like you like they could be telling you they could be lying to you. It's possible. They it could be a very skewed version of the truth, but if it's a skewed version of the truth, what is the actual truth? There you go. There you go. There are, however, some significant crimes tied to the Chucky movies. I'm not gonna get into the details because they're very depressing but there are some pretty infamous people who are tied to chucky in what they did tom holland the creator of the movie has said that the only way a horror movie could be influential to somebody is if they were already disturbed in that direction in the first place that's the way he contends for somebody to commit an act of violence they were already going to need to be in that frame of mind to begin with for my movie to push them to that way it's like i'm not responsible for you being crazy you were already crazy um This is like, this is the scream argument. (laughs) Very much so. And it's an okay argument. But as we said with scream, that's a fine line. Uh, What kind of horror movie are you making? What are you saying with that horror movie? This one? Absolutely not. Uh, uh, Yeah. I, I don't think anybody who is not already of a violent disposition is going to look and go, Chucky's a good guy. No. <laughs> no, nobody looks at Chucky and goes, that that doll's good. Like, Charles Lee Ray is a horrible person. Yes. So like, I don't I don't think that's true. But that line does get blurred mm-hmm. in some stuff, and, and that is a much more careful delineation to go through. The funny thing is that MGM United Artists actually dropped the series because of its subject matter. Okay. So this is the only child's play to get released by ua universal picked up all of the subsequent sequels that came out oh, okay so even they looked at it and were like we don't want to deal with the. we don't want to deal with the backlash from this anymore uh-uh. no i i i mean i get that too and despite his vociferous criticism of horror movies read our stuff on friday the 13th roger ebert gave this movie a positive review of course he did because it act it has a beginning, middle, end. It has a very complete story. It has quality filmmaking it, behind it. And it does. You don't have to like the story, but it is a solid film. And there are parts of this movie where I don't feel like it's a horror movie. There's so many explosions. And I'm like, this feels like an action movie. Like an action thriller at times. I could buy that, yeah. It is a very unique kind of horror movie. Yeah. It, it is its own little self-contained thing, and it's hard to describe on how it stands. But it was interesting, the man who hated the slasher flick, like Child's Play. That was Siskel. 
<laughs> Siskel hated it more. All right. Well, our writing goes to three different gentlemen. We have Don Mancini writing the story and screenplay. After this, he goes on to write all of the different Child's Play films. Okay. And coming soon, and we'll get into the details on this a little bit later, he is currently writing a limited run series called Child's Play coming in 2021. What? Mmm. Details will be forthcoming as we talk about our second film. Okay. But suffice to say that the original creators are signing on to push their story along. Okay. Okay. So we also have John Lafia. He gets a screenplay credit here. He directed a few things and also served on the art department for Repo Man. Kind of a no-name guy, but he's credited on this film. Okay. And then Tom Holland does a screenplay for this movie. He also wrote Class of 1984, Psycho 2, 1984's Cloak and Dagger, Fright Night, The Langoliers on Television, Thinner, and the TV series Twisted Tales. What do we think of the writing of this film? I mean, with the exception of the things we've mentioned before, which would not be hard to swap out. You change a location, that tightens things up enough for me to be like, okay, that's less problematic for me. The child neglect aspects are partly of the time and are also somewhat necessary for the the story (laughs) i don't like them but they're there so it's it it is interesting there is a lot about the original script in the trivia for this movie okay mancini's script was a lot darker and a lot more cerebral okay because in that script it is very unclear for a long portion of the movie whether or not andy is an actual killer okay that script is far more about we can't tell if Andy did this or not. So I fully believe that because for the first half of the movie, you don't know. Of course not. And that feels very purposeful. And I love that. But I feel like that I, I love that because you can't tell because you they made that doll and they that kid is perfect. I mean, that kid is perfect. That doll looks so much like that kid with the exception of the hair is much redder. Yeah. Which is fine. But it's so, and it's just so smart because it's made so that you could believe a kid could do some of these things. We'll be hiding, especially when the friend is getting freaked out and is like, what is going on? And then gets pushed through the window. Like that could easily have been a kid. And then, yeah, sure. He he could, I mean, he could have been a psychopath. Yeah, there's details in here. Like Charles Lee Ray was supposed to be Andy's father. In the original script. Okay. The way that Chucky comes to life is Andy cuts his hand in a sort of blood pact. Oh, I remember hearing that. Because hearing the, about that. Yeah, in the original version, the dolls were supposed to actually be fully lifelike with blood. And sure. they were going to have band-aids that you could like put on them to help them heal. Okay, I do remember that. Because, of course, I have read the trivia for this, but it has been years. Yeah, so there's like, there's all these little details. And it was going to be a much deeper, darker film. Mm -hmm. And the voodoo thing wasn't in Mancini's script at all. Okay. That got added by other writers. He jokingly has said, he's like, basically only about half of this movie is mine. Okay. (laughs) Like everything else came from them. The weirdest part was it was originally written as a satire of toy marketing. And then as he went along, it just morphed into a horror movie. I mean, I don't hate that. I kind of love that, actually. I feel like what happened was the other guys got attached to the project and was like, it can't be this dark. We can't sell this movie. Fair. And and that that would be hard to sell. But that's also not as interesting. Like, I'm sorry, but 
end for a series is also not good either. And I know they didn't necessarily make this with a series in mind, but that's not as interesting. A kid being a psychopathic killer is not interesting. No, it's not. It's it's tragic is what that is. It's really difficult viewing. (laughs) Like the... The concept that it could be Andy is terrifying. That's a great hook for a movie. That it's actually the doll is what the fuck? The problem is, is that they should have been able to play that darkness Mm -hmm. up until mom finds the batteries and then Chucky attacks her. Which is great. It's a great moment and a great turn, but it would have been made all the more powerful Mm -hmm. if... The first half of the movie had been all about that. Oh shit! Is this kid like truly off it? Yeah, is this kid just not okay? Well, also getting some hints and clues that the kid is clearly telling us the truth. Yes, like we should always believe Andy, but always be questioning because the adults are there, going like, "We have no proof." We should see just enough to feel like we 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 feel like Andy's telling the truth. But we should also see just enough that we understand why the adults don't believe him. Exactly. So we should be seeing both sides. We should see just enough should be cut out that we don't like I like I love that we don't see Chucky fully talking to Andy. Yeah, that's great. Oh, it's so good. It's great. And then when he wants to get him to talk, all we get is the the catchphrase. Well, we get the pre-recorded standard things, which is Mm-hmm. and equally creepy the only other fun fact is that charles lee ray's name is a derivation of charles manson lee harvey oswald and james earl ray <laughs> okay <Blah>. lame <laughs> i mean what else were they gonna do something not lame <laughs> okay our director is tom holland before this you mean spider-man Come no on. not spider-man old dude much older dude i couldn't not I, <laughs> I, had, I had to i know better but i had to tom holland originally directed 1985's fright night and fatal beauty before this and after he does a few episodes of tales from the crypt the langoliers on television thinner twisted tales and rock paper scissors okay what do we think of the directing in this film it's very good it's very competent for sure it's it's very well done because it has to be. You could not pull... This movie's very good. It's very suspenseful. It's still got some jump scares out of me, even though I've seen it before. Partly because I forgot things. But it's just very good. And you can't pull off this movie without that. Because of the special effects. Because of that kid. When you're working with kids, especially a kid this young, you have to be a good director. You just do. Yeah, it's interesting that you you would feel like after... Two pretty strong entries into the canon, like Fright Night and this, that Tom Holland would have gone on to do a lot more. It wouldn't be surprising. Because he has a, he's got an elevating quality almost. It's like he he looks at what those those guys did before him and was like, okay, let, let's do this right. Let's make a movie well. Yeah. And not just skimp on it. I appreciate that. And a shout out to, not in, in any of the credits, but the guy who designed the Chucky dolls, mm-hmm. his name is Kevin Yeager. It took him about a year to develop these dolls and get them ready for the production. Oh, okay. But he he's sort of a legend in FX, and he is the one who, from the ground up, built all of the Chucky dolls and, and developed how they were going to make it for the movie. 
So he's a big part of the success of this film, too. Oh, yeah, because if doll don't work, this movie don't work. Yeah. And I, I got to hand it to him. Those dolls work really well. They're amazing. The original cut of this movie was over two hours. There are rumors that said it might even be closer to three hours long. Okay. Which, thinking about it, this movie is very quickly paced, almost rushed sometimes. I'm glad because I like that we don't spend too much time, like, we just don't spend too much time. There are detailed descriptions of the deleted scenes that were shot. Some of them have some, like, establishing consequences for characters. Like, they do give you a little meat on the bone, but there are no places to find it. They haven't included it on any editions, and it's not even online. Okay. Like, they're just gone. (laughs) At one point, Tom Holland banned Don Mancini and John Lafayette after those two threatened to sue him over a dispute on writing credit for the film. Mm. (laughs) I think that might tell you some reasons why Tom Holland maybe didn't get other movies to do. Hmm. Maybe. And we have a who could have been better. The director Joseph Rubin, who directed 1987's The Stepfather, Sleeping with the Enemy, The Good Son, and Money Train. Okay. Much more of a thriller guy, for sure. Yeah. Which, if we were going with that very dark undertone, that would have worked really well. I don't know. It would have been a completely different movie. It, it really would have. Based on those movies? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting stuff. Now we get to our cast. Mm-hmm. And we start with Catherine Hicks as Karen Barclay. Before this, Catherine had a run on Ryan's Hope, was in the television series of the Bad News Bears. That exists. It does. Death Valley, The Razor's Edge, Peggy Sue Got Married. Mm-hmm. Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Oh, yeah. After this, she is in Liebestraum, Eight Days a Week, and Seventh Heaven. Yeah, she's the mom on Seventh Heaven. <laughs> like cheesy Hallmark television movies and random credits. And I was like, oh, you did Seventh Heaven for like 12 years. Yeah, that show was on for a long time. <laughs> there were seven of them. And then she had twins. And then there were seven children. Yeah, I, I, we were a WB family for a long time. What do we think of Catherine Hicks in this movie? She's great. She's good. She's good, you know, sweet. You know, she's the sweet mom who's trying to do do right for her kid. Yeah. And it just sucks. She's in a shitty situation. I also, I kind of love the fact that she's a, just a working mom. Yeah, she's uh, just a working mom. She's that way to makers. <laughs> Sorry. It, okay. The scene where she's she's at the jewelry counter bothered the shit out of me because I'm looking at it and I was like, I know where that is. Ha. I know the fuck where that is. And I was like, that's the same place they filmed all of Mannequin. <laughs> I was like, this place is iconic. It's gorgeous. And they filmed a lot of shit there. And so I looked it up and it's a place called Wanamakers. 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 What the fuck? I don't give a shit. I believe go- it's a person's name. It is, but it's now it's a historic site, and it's not listed in the credits, and it's not listed as a place that was there, but it it's at least a building that was modeled to look after that because it looks the exact same. Yeah, so it was very distracting to me and really bothered me. <sighs> I just I appreciate that plot point that she she wants to do right by him, but also it's just like it's a doll. What the fuck? And then the doll attacks her, and then she's like, okay. I'm going to fucking find Chucky. When the detective's not going to go with her, she's like, fine, I'm going. He's like, wait, you don't want to go there. She's like, I don't care. I was like, this doll is going to kill my son. And then the doll tries to kill the cop. And then it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Chucky, Chucky, not so great. One other fun fact, she met her husband on the set of this film. Aww. She is married to Kevin Yeager, the creator of the Chucky doll. That's so cool. 
I know. Well, that's nice that something came out of this creepy movie. <laughs> Love blossoms. Good times. We next move on to Chris Sarandon as Detective Mike Norris. Before this, Chris Sarandon was in Dog Day Afternoon, The Sentinel, The Osterman Weekend. He was in the English dub of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Protocol, Fright Night, and The Princess Bride. Oh, there's that tiny little movie? (laughs) After this, Collision Course, The Nightmare Before Christmas. He is the voice of Jack Skellington. Yeah, we've talked about him before. Uh Uh-huh. Dark Tide, Bordello of Blood. He's got a cameo in 2011's Fright Night, And he's been a guest star in so many television series. Yep. What do we think of Chris Sarandon in this movie? Meh. He's done better. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, it's a nothing role for him. (sighs) Like, the, the position of this role in this movie isn't very interesting. He's the cop who doesn't believe the mom. That's it. That's the, that's the whole role. And he doesn't bring anything else interesting to it. That's it. So, I mean, it's almost like he's trying to be restrained in playing it, and that doesn't work to any good effect. Yeah. But I will say, when he is in an action sequence, he is compelling. That's when I'm like, okay, no, I I remember, you are actually a good actor. It's just, when you have to just say lines, it's not working for me at all, dude. He's a great actor. It's just this. Yeah, I know. No, he's boring. He did take this as a change of pace because he played the bad guys in Fright Night and The Princess Bride, so he wanted a chance to play a hero. Okay. And he'd worked with Tom Holland before, so why not? Let's do this movie. I'm never going to not think Spider-Man when you say Tom Holland. I know. And based on his experience, Sarandon automatically got top billing on the film. Oh, okay, yeah. But through the process of making the movie, he actually gave it to Catherine Hicks and said, she carried this movie. I didn't. She deserves the billing. She does. I yeah. agree. I feel like billing should be based on screen time, huh? not not status. With the exception of sometimes I appreciate, like when Scream, Drew Barrymore got, I don't think she got top billing, but she was like the main face on the poster and everything. She's killed in the first five minutes. Like I, I, I'm fine with it when it's used in part as a misdirection, but if you're in the movie more, you get top billing. I mean, it, it is what it is. And for, for me, it's just you can be creative in how you build things. Sure. And it's also a thing of as long as everybody's on board and agreeing with it. Because sometimes you just need that person who's not in it that long, but is the biggest name to sell the fucking movie. No, like, I, I do get it. That's that's why you have the and and the with credits. There you go. That's yeah, I'm fine with those. Those are great. That means like. I'm just here for a lot of fucking money and I'm not doing a lot of work. But this was a this was a nice story of an actor doing another actor a solid. I appreciate that. Next up, we have to talk about Alex Vincent, who plays Andy Barclay. We do, because he's adorable. He's adorable. This is his first credit. And also, he is in Child's Play 2, Curse of Chucky, and Cult of Chucky. He pops up throughout the series frequently. He doesn't play Andy, though, right? Yes, he does. He is Andy? He's Andy in in 2, and I believe he plays Andy in those later sequels as well. Fuck. We're going to have to watch all these fucking movies. Of course we are. We love a series. So, yeah. He has no really trivia. What do we think of Andy in this movie? Oh, he's he's great. He really is. Some of it is that he's so adorably 1988 latchkey kid. He's a latchkey kid. He's just super cute. Yeah, he's just cute. And he's 
very emotive without ha- without feeling like they were pulling his teeth to get him to do anything. He feels very natural. I also feel really sad for him. Like that whole thing when he's like the, the opening sequence and he's making breakfast for his mom. Oh my God. And then like he sees the box and it's just like the box. And then just like the real disappointment. Like, ugh, my mom heart couldn't take it. It makes me sad. Oh, when he's crying because he's like, Chucky's going to kill me? Yeah, no, I well, I wanted to turn off the movie. No, not even that. Because from I had a, I had enough separation from it at that point. So like, I didn't. <laughs> no, but no, at the beginning when he, he opens the giant box and it's closed. Yep. Oh, well, yeah. And oh. then he gets the, the, the toolbox. And he goes, I wanted a buddy doll to go with it. <sighs> And it's just like my personal favorite thing about how I love buying presents for people. It is my most favorite thing to find the most like I don't give a fuck how much something is. If I find the coolest present in the world for somebody, I'm fucking buying it because it brings me personally so much joy to find either the best gift or the funniest gift for somebody. That part really broke my heart and he plays it so well. He's a he's a good kid. I think I knew that about him that he's in the other because yeah I've seen two and three but that was in junior high. And spoiler alert, I don't think it goes real well for him. Yeah, I think I think it gets bad. I think it gets real bad. By the way, not for the actor. Actor's doing fine. Andy, don't think it winds up so good for him. Oh, probably not. He's probably either very traumatized or he's just having flashbacks when he's dead. Well, because you know Chucky keeps coming the fuck back. Why? Because they didn't shoot him in the heart. They didn't shoot him in the heart and then set him on fire. Come on. Next up, Brad Dourif as Charles Lee Ray and Chucky. Before this, Brad Dourif was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Eyes of Laura Mars, Wise Blood, Guiana Tragedy, The Story of Jim Jones, 1980's Heaven's Gate, Ragtime, Dune in 1984, Blue Velvet, and Fatal Beauty. After this... Mississippi Burning, Spontaneous Combustion, The Exorcist 3, Child's Play 2, Jungle Fever, Child's Play 3, Amos and Andrew, Murder in the First, Best Men, Alien Resurrection, Urban Legend, Bride of Chucky, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Deadwood, Pulse, Halloween in 2007, Halloween 2 in 2009, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, My Son, My Son, What Have You Done, Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, Deadwood the Movie, and he has been announced to voice Chucky for the television series in 2021. Okay. What do we think of Brad Dourif? I mean, he's fine. I like the voice. Great actor. He didn't act enough in the movie for me to really uh, talk about that. His voice work is fabulous. It's phenomenal. (laughs) It's great. And it is as iconic as the collar in screen it's it really so is. creepy it is it is just as creepy and as iconic he captures this maniacal yet also still dull playful voice like i don't know how he struck that balance because he could have just been like charles lee ray's a bad guy and i'm just gonna play it but he Throw some little bit of the doll thing into it mm-hmm. that just works so well. It's it's a cadence. It is it, because it's that melodic cadence of the re- the doll recording. He throws that into how Chucky talks occasionally. As he becomes more human, he loses that. Yeah. So he he does a he does a phenomenal job, and so I 
because again, I cannot remember because it's been a minute since I've seen the movies. My guess is that as the movies progress, he loses something. Yeah. But yes, in this film, it's phenomenal. And and he's, I mean, he's a all around great actor. He's amazing on Deadwood as the Doctor. He's the Doctor. Yeah, that's Brad Dourif. Oh, he's a fabulous actor. Yes, I can confirm that. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you said Deadwood, but I was like, what? He's the Doctor. Yeah. He's no, he crazy. is. I mean, he is an incredibly talented character actor. He's got. A, a lot of people have talked about he takes pretty odd beat roles. He's kind of got a Crispin Glover vibe without all of the public weirdness. It's just mm. the sort of acting that he does. Okay. Um, but like he he has for a long time been just like a really solid character actor. And putting him in this movie and him developing that voice, and then the consistency of having him beat Chucky through all the movies. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I know that sometimes that's really easy to do, but sometimes you know, you cast somebody in a movie like this and then it's hard to keep them around. And the fact that he was willing to commit to that just lends that little bit extra that is probably what helped them make so many more movies. Well, having that consistent aspect is so important because it's it, it really truly is. And I mean, same thing with Scream. If you don't have Roger Jackson or someone who can do a very similar impersonation which they did get for the TV show, it doesn't work. No. It it doesn't play. It's and, an iconic voice. And, and, exactly. Brad Dourif recorded all of the voiceover work in advance to match the doll's mouth with his lines. Mm. He rarely appeared on set during the doll scene, so Alex Vincent would just have to listen to the recordings to act opposite of him. Okay. He also acted out the scene with the other cast before they filmed for rehearsal. So he was he was working on set. He with was them. A, he was he was the mocap actor for it before that existed. Uh, yeah, it, just just so you've got somebody to bounce against sure. and figure out your reactions before you go in front of this sure. animatronic doll. Totally. In an interview, he said that his daughter, seven years old, came into the room when he was recording his screams for Chucky being set on fire. <gasps> Nobody knew that she was in the room. Not the people recording, and not him. Until she started screaming and crying. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and he had to stop the recording session. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Oh, because that those screams are horrifying. Those are really, that's some really good acting. And that's him. Who could have been better? Jessica Walter. Oh, geez. Jessica Walter had played the stalker in Clint Eastwood's play Misty for me. It's a radio DJ is being stalked by a fan. Oh, that's cool. I so been... most of that movie is just Jessica Walters' voice over sure. the telephone. That's cool. She actually recorded lines for Chucky's voice. They wound up not using them. Okay. But Could she was originally a potential cast member of this. That's amazing. That's one of Jessica Walters' big claims to fame before Arrested Development happened. I love Jessica Walters. She's a treasure. Yes. She's an amazing actress. Oh, sh- oh sure. And that is it for our main cast. Okay. We move on to our pawns, random people of note. Our pawns. We have Dinah Manoff as Maggie Peterson. She was in Greece, Ordinary People, and had a long run on Empty Nest. I know. When we when she popped up, I was like, why do I know her? I know that chick. Who is she? And I looked her up. When I watched it, I was like, it's Marty. She's the one who starts to sleep with Vince Fontaine. <laughs> she was originally supposed to be electrocuted in the bathtub. Gross. Yeah. I think this is a better I here's the thing. Electric in the bathtub, harder for for it to have been a child and then but it be the doll. 
Yeah, although, you know, falling into a car and then having a near explosion is kind of a lot. She was a stupid bitch and she got what she deserved. <laughs> I'm sorry. That moment is the shit. When when Chucky says that to Andy and Andy repeats it and the mom is just like, what the fuck? Chucky says Maggie was a stupid bitch and she got what, what she, she deserved. deserved. And you're like, knows. no, oh, no. It's like, that did not come from Andy's brain. <laughs> Damn, that's great. That is one of the genuinely delightful moments in the whole movie. That's one of those where you just laugh in horror. We have Tommy Swerdlow playing Jack Santos, Detective Norris's partner. He had some roles in Howard the Duck, Real Genius, and Spaceballs. Jack Colvin playing Dr. Ardmore. He had a long run on The Incredible Hulk. Alan Wilder playing Mr. Criswell. This is the guy at the counter at the department store. You would better know him as the Scranton ticket agent in Home Alone. We have Eden Gross playing friendly Chucky voice. They showed up in a lot more of this series, but they also voiced Flounder in the Little Mermaid TV show. Did a lot more voice work. And John Franklin playing Walkabout Chucky. He is a little person who is also Isaac in the Children of the Corn movies and played Cousin It in Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that concludes the people in this movie. So we now move on to trivia. Trivia. Chucky was portrayed by a lot of different means. Sure. It had RC animatronics. They had little people, both little people actors and a little person stunt person. Yep. And, um... And they had child actors. So they used a mix of all of those different types of portrayals for different angles to get different shots. Sure. Ed Gale, who did stunts and performances as a little person, mm -hmm. performed the fire scene. Okay. So throwing his name out there, he doesn't really have a lot of like known credits, mm -hmm. uh, but he was involved in a lot of stunts. And so he did that fire sequence because he was a little bit taller than the doll, which yeah. allowed them to do more flame effects and things like that. Mm. Various animatronics and cosmetics were used throughout the film to shift the toy to look from the doll to the sort of human-doll hybrid Chucky. Yeah. Which is so good. It is. Like, when you finally see him in the elevator and his hair is receded and it's starting to slick back and you go, oh, wait, I didn't catch that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's the, the detail that they put on that doll was so important to the success of this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, just those very slow changes of him being the doll into, oh, you're becoming more human. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, they also created moment-specific Chucky dolls, like a flailing tantrum Chucky, a walking Chucky, and a stationary Chucky. Mm -hmm. A remote control was connected to a rig on a effects person's face. They could capture facial movements and mirror it on the doll. Awesome. <laughs> This is 88, y'all. This is awesome. And despite all of their work to bring Chucky to life, Brad Dourif and Kevin Yeager never actually met in person until 2018 at her horror convention. Yeah. That's crazy. Dourif recorded all his VO work. They sent it in and Yeager did all the FX later. That is crazy. Yeah. The My Buddy doll line never recovered after the success of this film. No fucking death. Because this doll was very specifically designed to look a lot like the My Buddy doll. Oh, I distinctly remember those commercials. My buddy, my buddy, uh -huh. my buddy and me. Those dolls were creepy as fuck before this movie came out. And then this movie saw that. And and then, oh, there was the girl one that was my kid sister. Kids, it was the same song, but it was kid sister and me. <laughs> oh, because I used to, I used to play on the TV all the time. I mean, Mancini was explicitly descriptive 
in what he said in his script. Red hair, two feet tall, blue eyes, freckles, and a striped shirt. And then the decision to make Andy so obsessed with these dolls that he's wearing the same outfit just adds to the creep factor. Yep. The movie's original title was also Blood Buddy, which might have been a reference to this. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, They decided to go with Child's Play instead. The film premiered on November 9th, 1988, the same day that Charles Lee Ray would have transferred his soul into the Chucky doll. That's cool. (laughs) Composer Joe Renzetti and a singer-songwriter recorded an ending credits theme about Chucky, but it was apparently a little too upbeat and peppy, (laughs) and they felt like it took away from the horror. But if you go watch the trailers, you can actually find it in one of those. That's bizarre. (laughs) No, thank you. They did not know. They did so much cocaine, they did not know how to market movies in the 80s, man. They really didn't. No, but they made a good movie. (laughs) Despite all that, they made a good movie. The station announcing Charlie Ray's death is W-D-O-L. Okay. (laughs) One of the few horror franchises that is not mentioned in the series of Scream films. No, not at all. They don't talk about Child's Play. They don't. Well, because it it doesn't fit. No, this is not a slasher movie. At all. Well, it kind of becomes one, but... The the basis for it is Chucky wasn't a slasher before he became a doll. So he was a strangler. He was a strangler, but he wasn't like it just it's not as interesting and it doesn't fit into their narrative or yeah. their world. Yeah, the, it is interesting because it's like I think th- this movie, the series went through a lot of iterations of different types of movies. Sure. But this movie is not a slasher movie. No, it's a supernatural horror thriller. Yep. And the horror is really more jump scares than horror. I bet if we watched movies like Annabelle, we'd see, which I will not watch. (laughs) Just, it's not happening. Well, and it's interesting. All of these movies have a common lineage. They talked about it with the script. They all come from a Twilight Zone episode. Sure. About a doll called uh, Talkie Tina that goes demented and kills people. Sure. But I'm sure if we watch as, and I'm sure when I watch Blythe Manor, there's going to be some reference to a doll that appears to look like Chucky or has the overalls and the striped shirt just because in those instances it makes sense oh please do it just do it it's of, so funny because of course because that's that's where those make sense but yeah in the scream series it doesn't make any sense and I love scream and I want to go watch all those again now we should go do that too and a final fun fact Brad Dourif and Chris Sarandon were both nominated for best supporting actor Oscars at the 1976 Academy Awards Chris Sarandon was nominated for his portrayal in Dark Day Afternoon. Hey. And Duriff got nominated for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And that concludes all of the things for Child's Play Mm -hmm. 1988. So Mm -hmm. we have to come up with an individual rating system for each of these movies. Batteries. Mm. Because I do know that one of the alternative titles was Batteries Not Included. That is true. Unfortunately, they found out that Spielberg was making a movie with the same name. Yep. I knew that piece of trivia because I thought that was funny. Boy, it is an important part of the movie. It's the pivotal scene. That's when she realized, I'm not crazy. I'm not losing my mind. This actually is happening. More importantly, Andy's not crazy. No, my son's been telling me the truth. I'm a bitch mom. No. (laughs) Sorry, I just like to rag on bad parents sometimes. And then Chucky tries to kill her. Yeah, so, you know, she makes it right. It's all good. (sighs) Well, this is your movie. You've seen it before. Oh, I have to go first. I feel like this is where I'm landing very solidly in most of these films, but this is a three for me. This is a three. I really want to watch it again, 
but this is a solid story. It was executed well. Is a three. Same. Okay. The only reason it doesn't get higher is that it's lost a little bit of its sheen and its novelty. Fair. And, you know, we, we talked about those problems. And it's just, that's just, it hasn't aged well. But they did a great job. They did. They did a really good job. They did a solid job with this movie. They did. So that means we need to go compare it to another movie. So now we got to talk about Child's Play 2019. A mother gives her 13-year-old son a toy doll for his birthday, unaware of its more sinister nature. Okay. This movie is wildly different from the 88 version. Boy, howdy. This movie's gonna force me into watching it again, probably, at some point, because it is bold. It It is much darker, but it handled some things, I think, really well in how they made it darker. The first being, it's contemporary. It takes place now. So it's dealing with all the technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... I love that. And I'm just going to say this about contemporary horror films. They almost all handle deal with technology. And contemporary horror films are just convincing me more and more every single day that I will never have a smart house. <laughs> Ever. Like, I already didn't want one. Like, I only want an Alexa home in my children's room so I can yell at them from across the room without getting up. That's the only reason I would want an Alexa. But I'm not going to get one because... Then the serial killer um, robots can rise up and control my house. No, thank you. Goodbye. The only robot that's allowed to exist is our Roomba that we have named Gary. But they made Andy older. They made him 13, which meant that they could make things darker around Andy. So that was good. I liked that. It's It's a far gorier movie than the original. Oh, yes. Andy has to deal with that more directly. Yeah. Andy does a lot more covering up for Chucky. What's interesting is they twist it, right? In the first movie, Andy is a kid. So he's just like, I'm going to tell the truth. And then nobody believes him. Mm -hmm. In this movie, Andy assumes if I tell the truth, no one will believe. Well, because Chucky's already made it clear. I will make everyone turn on you because I control everything in your life. Uh I I control. I can control your phone. I can control your TV. I can control the lot. I can control everything. And also, I love you. I love you. That's the biggest twist. And it's interesting because this was a potential component in the original film. Sure. They were very much saying that in Mancini's original vision, Chucky was supposed to feed on Andy's insecurities and Mm -hmm. go commit things because of what Andy wanted. Sure. With it being like Charles Lee's using that to then get into Andy's life. So this film follows that template a lot more in that these behaviors are things that Chucky has learned through observation. So like he starts becoming more violent because Andy takes him to go hang out with his friends and they're watching a horror film and they're all laughing. Uh huh. And Chucky's like, Oh, this is funny. And then he's got a cat that's horrible. And so then Chucky hurts the cat and it's just like, what? And he doesn't understand. So then Chucky starts to act out. Because he's not, Chucky's not getting the response that he wants from Andy. And then, and it's so, this this one deals with a real complex layer of, you have moments of empathy for Chucky. Mm -hmm. Chucky gets fucking tortured. Yeah. In a real dark, but honestly kind of well done scene. Yeah. 
like in a, it tortured in that Toy Story way where we've had that kind of feeling of horror at times. Well, it feels like, yeah, it feels weird. But then you're like, oh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of bizarre. They, they layered a lot onto it. I do think at moments that is to the detriment of just the film because it's like this is not necessarily highbrow cinema we've come to watch. No, I think there there are definitely some they went too far with Andy's mom, which is played by Aubrey Plaza, which is fun. <laughs> I, I do like her. I, I love her to pieces. But like she's got a boyfriend who she's clearly her son hates him. He treats her son like crap. So there's a scene with her son. We could have gotten rid of that entire plot line. Wouldn't have been missed. It's also really detrimental to Andy. Again, we don't need it. It serves no purpose. They they lean too heavy on the trope of a working mom instead of what we got in the first movie, which is just a working mom. Yeah, and she could have been a working mom and she could have had a boyfriend. And actually what would have been better if she had a boyfriend who Andy really loved, who was great, and Chucky comes between them. That would have been better. That like, oh, what if the boyfriend gets the doll for him and then the doll starts breaking them all apart? That would have almost been better. Like, well, it- like I, I don't know. It could have just it, like if you if you want to have someone in that position, fine. But like, if you want to add this dynamic to this family, but it just was icky and it didn't need to be there. And I wish because he's also got friends and I. That also gets really twisted, but that made more sense in how it gets twisted. And it's just so weird. And then there's, then there's, let's not forget the opening framework for why Chucky is this way. Oh, man. So it's this evil tech corporation that makes these dolls. Great. Great. Start that, that setup is perfect. Makes total, total sense. No qualms there. There's a factory worker in an Asian country. A factory worker is basically being abused and is basically told, finish up that doll and then you're back out on the streets where we found you. Yep. So this is a sweatshop, a tech sweatshop. So this factory worker decides to program this doll and removes all of the safety features, all of the fire, like basically makes it so that Chucky can say all the bad words can do all the bad things, can do all of the AI safety features that you would want, no longer exist in this doll. He makes the doll, and then he throws himself off the roof of the building. That's what... And it always goes that extra step too far. To make it gross. Like, and you could have made... Like, it was already gross. It was already gross. Which they very clearly did not understand. Which they, yeah, like bad but then adding that on top of it and then they added that on top of it you could have made it any type of factory work in any part of the world any nationality a disgruntled worker is being let go but first you have to finish this this doll so they do this thing and they leave even better that's it isn't that it's a it's a technological defect that the computer glitches that's what it should be because that's more likely what would happen. I Something in the technology messes up and creates this doll that all the features get turned off accidentally. Well, I like that it was an intentional removal. Because if it was accidental, then we get, as an audience, I'm expecting when Chucky goes is at the store with the other dolls. 
all right, well, where's the army of evil Chucky dolls? That's, <laughs> if it's an accident, then I'm expecting an army of evil, evil Chucky dolls. It has to be an intentional removal for it to isolate to one doll. I know. Which I'm fine, but it could have just been let's iso- let's just isolate a worker and that's it. I they- just wish it, I also wish it wasn't even a worker. I wish it was an executive. And that that could have been it too. It could have been an executive who's getting who an executive programmer or something who's like you're like we're releasing the second doll. We don't need you anymore. Your project's over. You're fired. Yeah. Launch the last thing and go. So they go through and remove the last thing on this doll that they're their prototype doll. Because it's like by by making it this this person in a sweatshop who's being abused. Sure. You've just basically said you, you you've sort of been like workers deserve to be able to go kill mass kill people. It's like workers wouldn't want to do that. It's not what no, they want. And we know tech companies exploit people, so oh, that's not yes. good. And like this isn't great. And like these people there are people who work in horrible conditions. And this it's just bad. You could it's have done fuck- this so much better. It's it's fucking bad. Ugh. Not cool. And then also like that's like the first five minutes of the film. Great. Great. And that that really was what it was, I think, that that made me feel a little icky by the end of it. Because I loved generally what they were doing, but it was always like they would just take it that one step one too step far. Too far. It was just one step too far. Um, it just got one step too creepy. Except for the 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 toy store, because that's fucking rad as shit. That scene is awesome. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's fr- it's fucking frightening with for the real life implications of that. Sure, but like the scene itself is fucking hilarious I mean, and awesome. It's, it's a toy store apocalypse, essentially. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's cool. It's hard. I did not hate it, but I it is. Yeah, it it's not a good adaptation. It's not. It is not. I was kind of mixed, but now having talked through the original and how good that one was, now I'm like, this one is not good. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. It is not good. Interesting. All right. Well, the budget for this movie was only $10 million. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It made a little over $29 million in the US, $45 million global, so roughly the same amount of money. That's not bad, and you know, considering when it came out and how it came out and all that, you know. Yeah, and this movie was such a harder R. Oh, oh, sure. But they they got enough buzz off people who are interested, and I remember at the time people being like, "This is an interesting take," and I will give it that. It is an interesting take. It's not as successful, no, but it is definitely a bold rethinking of the concept. For writing, of course, we have Don Mancini, John Lafia, and Tom Holland getting a re- credit for the original Child's Play sure. screenplay. Mancini and the main cast from all of the original films and series mm-hmm. had absolutely no interest and involvement in this film. Okay. So that is why they decided that with Universal, they were going to create a limited run television series. They want to continue that story. And MGM had the rights to this original sure. script, so they did a remake of Child's Play, and these guys were like, "Nah, we hate it." <laughs> so, are they continuing from where the movies are left off, or are they like rebooting? I am not. I, I believe it is taking off from where the last film, which I believe is Ch- Cult of Chucky Cult from twenty thirteen. Yeah, it's Cult of Chucky. I believe that they are continuing from there. It's going to okay. be a. a and and I'm I think the idea is this might be like a final you know little mini series run where it's like we finally get rid of this and showdown once and for all. 
Okay. But I believe Andy's supposed to be back. Chucky's there. Jennifer Tilly is supposed to be playing. Whoever her character was. Yeah, like everybody is supposed to be coming into this little television run. Okay, interesting. So I I think it was one of those, we don't really want to be involved with what you guys are doing because we want to keep our story going. So we're going to go do that. Okay. And that's fair. I don't think that's unreasonable. Our writer for this film is Tyler Burton Smith. He wrote the video games Sleeping Dogs and Quantum Break, and he is the writer of Kung Fury 2, which is a sequel to a short film. So who knows? What do we think of the writing of this movie? I mean, like we've said, the concept is good. Concept's good. Execution is poor. They just went too far with things. It's a very clever adaptation. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's successful. Mm. Like, just because you've come up with a novel twist on what we did before doesn't mean that you've executed it well. Yeah. And one of the interesting things is, like, I think something they really fail to explore in this movie really, like, overtly is the fact that Chucky is becoming more human, just like in the original. But because they're so interested in the gore and the shock value, they forget to explore that concept in this movie. Well... It's not that he's becoming more human in this film. He's not becoming more human. That's true. The AI is learning more. That's what's happening. Which, again, I'm fine with that. That is a concept in 2019 works. That plays very well. Especially if your intent is, I'm going to do one movie. My intent is I want to do one movie. Because the other film, the whole thing is he's becoming more human because he's possessed by an actual human. Yeah. So that evolution is a natural evolution. This one isn't a natural. The natural evolution of AI is for it to learn things. But this, yeah, he learns things, but he doesn't, AI doesn't learn nuance. And it's in a vacuum. And it's from these very hyped up teenagers. Yeah, which is which is part of why ultimately his his descent finally comes, because it's Chucky can never be human. No. Chucky can never be fully the buddy you need him to be. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> the script actually directly discusses the death of Andy's father using some of those unused details from the original film. Mm-hmm. One of the deleted scenes was a big discussion of how Andy's dad died. Yeah. And in this movie, they put it head on. An original draft was going to set this at Christmas, just like the original Child's Play, which, by the way, Child's Play is a Christmas movie. <gasps> But that got changed in the final script. But our director, who we'll talk about in a moment, decided that he wanted the Christmas light sequence just to add that little flair back in. I'm fine with that. (laughs) I like the fact that it was taking down the damn Christmas lights. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. (laughs) Because people don't always take down their Christmas lights on time. (sighs) Especially when you're too busy cheating on your family. Yeah, that was just like... It was eye-rolling, because by that point, we're like, we know he's an asshole. Do we have to make him this much of an asshole? Yeah, like, the scene where, like, Andy walks in on him, and they've come, like, she's come out of the room, and he's just standing there buckling his pants. It's like, could you be more disgusting? Could you be more gross? Fuck you. Like, it's one thing for, I I think you're right, in that he should have been, like, but really good friends with, and getting along with Mm -hmm. Andy. The twist comes that he buys him the doll and then the doll starts doing that stuff to him. And then he turns and we see him become an ass to Andy. 
and just then, like we see in the movie. Sure, and then maybe we find out that he's been lying, and th- and then he can have a wife. Yeah, and then we find out, oh, he kills the boyfriend because the boyfriend's been lying, and he's got a wife and a family, and Chucky thinks that he's doing this good thing. See, he's been lying to you. That's bad. We kill people who are liars. And Andy's like, well, that's true. That's good. But this is also really, really bad. And, you know, he carved off his face and put it on a watermelon. Keep forgetting about that. That's fucking insane. It is, but it's also amazing. Oh, it's great because you hate that character. Oh, sure. You want him to die. But, but, but see, yeah, see, that fixes that character in a way that doesn't make mom the tropey mom and the other woman lady. And also, like, furthers the whole confusion of Chucky in a way that's a little bit more organic. Yeah. And not just straight up murder, murder doll. Just one step too far, guys. Mm. You almost had it. Our director is Lars Klefberg. Klefberg. Uh, he's a Norwegian director. He directed a couple of shorts, one of which, Polaroid, he later developed into a feature film that came out the same year. Okay. This is his most recent credit. He doesn't have a whole lot on the slate yet, but... Judging by his technical ability, I'm going to give him credit. Oh, yeah. He's got a bold vision on camera. He's got a bold vision for how to make this thing, make this thing look. He's clearly made a lot of great choices. I I think this is an early effort that you're right. Execution is poor in getting this adaptation right. In in the story, not in the execution of the story. I think this, this, it's just bad. But I like what this guy does. I like that he's bringing this sort of dark neon like colors to what they're doing in the Mm -hmm. movie. And I'm excited to see like, what could this guy do with better scripts in the future? Sure. Sure. Like that is something I'm like, good on you director. Mm -hmm. This is some cool stuff you're working. Like the film looks good. It's well shot. The kids are doing a great job. Mark Hamill's doing a great job. Like it's all good. It's just the story elements are bad and that's not necessarily on him. Yep. I'm excited to see what this guy comes up with in the future. Sure. He used E.T. as an inspiration for the film. Chucky learns from watching television. Yep. And Andy wears a red hoodie. Yeah, I definitely felt that. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our cast. Cast. Okay. First up, we have Aubrey Plaza playing Karen. Before this, she was in Mystery Team. That's her first mo- major movie credit. Is it? Yeah. That's crazy. She d- she was doing sketch up until then. Oh, yeah. Funny People, Parks and Recreation, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Safety Not Guaranteed, Charlie Countryman, Monsters University, The To-Do List, Life After Beth, The Legend of Korra, Dirty Grandpa, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, The Little Hours, Ingrid Goes West, and Legion on television. And coming soon, she will be in the Clea Duvall Christmas Romance Happiest Season with a ton of other awesome people. We love Aubrey Plaza. Despite the tropiness written in her character... She really rose above it. Oh, she does. She does a great job of being being like, yeah, I'm the young mom. It's like, were you like 12 when you had him? I had a very productive sweet 16. <laughs> and she says it in the way that only Aubrey Plaza can. But then I also laugh when she yells at the kids for language. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, dear God. I well, love this. I love this. It's It's just that thing of like, okay, look. I know I don't have a lot of high standards, but can we try? Come on. <laughs> At least pretend when I'm in the room. She feels like a mom. And she feels like a tired mom yeah. who's had a lot of shit to deal with. And I, I think despite the shittiness of that and her relationship, every time she's in that relationship, 
I get why she's sticking with this guy. Mm -hmm. Because, again, part of the ickiness is that they lean really heavy on, I keep waiting for this guy to turn out to be overtly abusive when he's really just kind of a an asshole. Mm -hmm. That's what it winds up in the sure. end. And I like the fact that because she, as an actor, understands that he's just an asshole, she plays with that of like, I know he's an asshole, but it is just nice to be with someone who occasionally gives a shit about me. No, like I totally, <laughs> I, I totally get that. It's just like when I'm with him, I get to be an adult. Yeah. I get laid. Yeah. I can get it. Like no shame. There's no shame. It's just you see all that in her performance. Sure, and that's what I sure. really liked. Is she sure. rises above that crap. Sure. She's great. <sighs> More Aubrey Plaza all the time. We have Gabriel Bateman playing Andy. Before this, he was in Annabelle, Band of Robbers, Lights Out, American Gothic on television, Benji in 2018 on Netflix, and St. Judy. After this, he was in Robert the Bruce Unhinged, and he is going to be in a television series remake of The Mosquito Coast. What do we think of Andy in this movie? Uh, he's really good. He's great. He's great. I believe him. I wish they would have had him play with his hearing more. They gave Andy in this movie a hearing aid. They did. Which I am fine with. On the one hand, it's kind of like, really? But if the whole thing is Chucky can control electronics, having your main character have an ability that does rely on electronic makes sense. I can be I can get on board with that. However, they barely used it. It's one of those situations where there's part of me that goes, cool, he just has a hearing aid. Let's let it be that. And sure. it just is what it is. Sure. Because I like the fact that you can just write characters for that. But it doesn't really work in a movie that's plot driven. Well, they make a point of pointing it out. And then he like loses it at one point and then he gets it back. And then it's like, OK, so you're making a very pointed effort to remind us that he has a hearing aid. But why? But why? And the only thing I could think of is that near the end of the movie, Chucky is directly tapping into his hearing aid to talk to him, but which then should have been the clue that he rips it out and takes it away. So Chucky doesn't know where he is. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That was the mistake. Even though that builds into the whole other tropes of stuff. But like. True. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just one of those things that they could have been a little more elegant with that. This movie desperately needed some sensitivity readers. <laughs> for Well, for fucking sure. For like 90 different things. But that was one of those things. The actor is great. He does an amazing job. I look forward to seeing him grow and do more things. Yeah, so he, he did he did a good job. They, they cast well. We have Brian Tyree Henry playing Mike, which I do love. Mike Norris. Mike. Pretty good. That's I love, fun. I love, I love him. He's uh, great. Before this, he was on Person to Person, Atlanta on television, Crown Heights, Irreplaceable You, Hotel Artemis, White Boy Rick, Widows, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. After this, he was in Joker, and coming, he will be in Godzilla vs. Kong, The Eternals, and Cyrano. What do we think of Brian Tyree Henry in this movie? He's a million times better than Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Because... His character also is written to be very boring, but he brings more flavor to it. What he does is the amazing glance. Every time he's in frame, mm -hmm. he is looking with that detective eye in a way that <laughs> it's hard to watch, you know, detectives and police stories sometimes. Sure. But he has that 
there might be a clue here. I'm going to pay attention. He's doing that thing of, you're up to something. Every time he's on screen, he is paying direct attention to what is opposite him. Yep. And it's really powerful because that's what helps establish at the end why he's willing to like believe Andy. Sure. Well, and I also, I appreciate the whole, like, a kid tells him something fucked up. Okay. I've seen some fucked up shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't dismiss it outright. And, and and he's trying, he's like, you can tell it's like, okay, that's fucking bullshit, but something's up, mm-hmm. clearly. So let me ride with this to see if I can figure out what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he gets hit in the throat by a drone. Yeah. And then he... He decides, okay, maybe he was telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that, that Toy Story scene is bonkers. And finally, we have Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. I'm not going to give Mark Hamill's credits. You know who the fuck he is. Luke fucking Skywalker. Yep. <laughs> He's, at, when I found out that he was the voice of Chucky, I was like, that's genius. I'm very excited for that because it needed to be, it had to be someone iconic. Yeah. In a perfect world, Brad Dourif would have done this and it would have been cool. But on the other hand, I'm glad he didn't because he's established a very different Chucky. He's a very different Chucky, different era. It would have been, I think it would have been really distracting if it had been him. Unless part of the story was that they are re-releasing a vintage doll with these modern upgrades. Unless that was part of the the story and then reuse, using his voice was part of it. Then it would make sense. But here it would be so um, disorienting. Yeah. And and the quality that Hamill brings is that he, I mean, Mark Hamill's an insanely talented voice actor. Oh, yeah. But he brings a little bit of Brad Dourif's energy mm-hmm. and raspiness into his voice of this much more wide-eyed doll. Because mm-hmm. it's a very different doll. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just, it wouldn't have worked quite as well. And like I said, it's another reason why I'm glad they were just like, you do your thing, we're going to go do ours. Sure. <laughs> Mark Hamill has actually voiced Chucky before on a couple of episodes of Robot Chicken. <laughs> and original director Tom Holland commented on Hamill's casting as a, quote, smart move. Yep. So, who could have been better? Jensen Ackles of Supernatural was also considered for this role. I would have, ha- I had, I'd have to hear him doing a voice for it. I know he's a good actor. I just I don't I don't know enough of his work outside of Supernatural, and I don't know much of Supernatural. He might he might have just given him something that was like that's interesting. Yeah, I would have to hear hear a sampling. Yep. And then some who could have been betters. We have Tim Matheson playing Henry Caslin. This is a big deal character actor. You know him from Animal House, Van Wilder, The West Wing, and a lot of stuff. He's a that guy. Uh huh. And then our three other kids. We have Beatrice Kitsis playing Fallon. She had a run on The Exorcist on television and iZombie. And she recently showed up as a character in the final camp episodes of The Babysitter's Club. So I think she's going to be a recurring character. She is in that. I've watched all The Babysitter's Club. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. We have Ty Consiglio playing Pug. Uh, He was in 2017's Woody Woodpecker and Wonder. Okay. And Marlon Cazzotti playing Omar. He played Malcolm from the community center on Riverdale. He's one of Archie's little wards. <laughs> he's, he's one of the little boxing trainees uh-huh. from Battle Royale. Yeah, he's the one who nearly gets killed by the by the gang. Wow. For speaking out at the Thanksgiving dinner. 
we can't escape that show. We just can't. I mean, it's coming back in 2021. <laughs> we'll be covering it on the doghouse. Follow it on the underscore doghouse pod. And you weren't ready for that, were you? No. <laughs> but I've been thinking about Riverdale a lot. So when a trailer finally drops, y'all, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot. It is. Uh, this this season. All right. Trivia. Chucky was the product of seven animatronic puppets in this film with interchangeable arms, legs, and heads to match the need of the scene. Okay. Several were hero puppets that could do multiple functions, and there were a few self-contained units that they called robo-Chuckies. <laughs> they constructed several replacement heads to quickly swap them out if they crashed. Okay. So all the interchangeable parts allowed them to make production go that much faster. They were able to swap in and out parts. If something broke, they were able to sure. fix it real quick. And that way, they didn't have to stop production while they made repairs. Oh, yeah. They could keep going and then fix the other doll while they were going. And that also allowed them to quickly adjust for continuity issues. Mm. Facial features were radio controlled with limbs puppeteered by rods. So most of the pup the facial features and stuff was like animatronic animated but the bodies were just bunraku puppets okay all of the fingers were threaded with little tiny cables with finger controls at the end of the rods mm -hmm. so they could actually move the fingers and then they used wide shots with radio controlled dolls for just ease of use that way they didn't have to have the puppeteers involved so they they just they went with every different technique they could and adjusted for the shot sure. need. unlike kevin yeager who had nearly a year to develop the chucky doll the studio expected these to be done within nine weeks of the order. Honestly, given... Okay, here's the thing. It's 30 years later. That's we, still asking it, a lot. Here's the thing. With the exception of the face, there are dolls on the shelf at the toy stores now that can do the basic functions that they're asking for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, they just do. It's just the specific shit that they have to they have to modify so the technology already exists yeah it's just it is one of those bonkers things where you go really two months <laughs> to get all of those dolls and again i think that's where getting the interchangeable parts became a big thing it was like if we don't have to build an individual doll for each thing mm -hmm. but can just swap some stuff out that will make our life so much easier sure Todd Masters of Masters FX, who worked on this film, he's done lots of other special effects for horror movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. He had all three of his shops working on the robots nonstop to meet the scheduling needs. Like they needed all, everything had to shut down for this. He also created the interior of Chucky's chest and they provided some of the gore and makeup services for the movie as well. Okay. And then for the Toy Story scene, they actually built a bunch of buddy dummy shells that they put in the boxes. Oh. So a lot of those dolls on the shelves were real dolls. They just didn't have any electronic components. In them, in yeah, them. that makes sense. Which is, that's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, the police car saying, dead or alive, you're coming with me, is a quote from Robocop. Yep. A fellow Orion Pictures release. The kids are watching The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 when Chucky is learning about the horror films. You can decipher this because in one of those shots, you can see a weirdly bedraggled Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> if you're looking carefully. One of the Buddy 2 dolls is displayed with a leprechaun costume, a possible nod to the slasher movie of the same name. Mm -hmm. None of the deaths in this movie were allowed to resemble any of the sequels 
to the original Child's Play closely. Oh, okay. Because MGM dropped the series of films. Okay. So Universal was like, no, you can't do anything like those. So they had to get inventive. I'm okay with that. The rototiller that kills Shane and his front yard has the letters CP88 on it, a reference to the original film. And Andy approaches Chucky with a hammer the first time he attempts to kill the doll, a reference to the original Chucky's first murder oh, weapon. Yeah. Okay. Some some decent in references they okay, threw in that's there. That's cute. I'm not mad about that. And that concludes Child's Play 2019. Mm-hmm. So we need a rating system for every movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, do we do buddy bears? The buddy bears were pretty funny. Buddy. <laughs> Once we got to that point, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in for the goof. Like this. <laughs> still creepy as fuck but this is funny now. buddy bears with knives yes please <laughs> mauling people to buddy death bears. and biting their jugulars out uh, i'll go first <sighs> oddly enough despite feeling like it's not as good a representation as the first film i'm still gonna give this one a three mm-hmm. because of what excited me about it like it was bold it was just a bold choice mm-hmm. and there was a lot that I liked about the movie. Mm-hmm. The difference is I wouldn't necessarily watch this one again. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one, I'm like, I-, I could dig it. Yeah. I could sit down and watch the original Child's Play. I'm going to go for a three. I'm going to do a 2.5. The updates based on time, like put it in the modern day, makes sense to me. And I, I think they were clever and I like it. But the they just went too hard on things. and They made things icky for no reason. There's no, like that opening framework, there's no reason for it. There's nothing. There's no, it's just exploitive and no thank you. And the storyline with the boyfriend, we figured out how to fix that and make it, you can still get the payoff you want and make it work better. You could have done that in this whole movie. Yep. And And kept it rated R. And kept it rated R and you could have still gone in for more gore. And yeah. And so I'm just like, there's just like, there's still a lot there that I really like. I really love the cast. I'm fine with it being grittier. That's fine. I mean, it's 2019. That's cool. But it's just like, it's just not as good as the original. No. And I like, and I didn't hate this, but I'm just like, I would much rather watch the original again before I watch this. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a 2.5. Well, next year, if the TV series does get produced and comes mm-hmm. back around, I have yeah. to go through the rest of these. Yeah. Until next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.